the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning process? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to drshelton.com or call 590-7878. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website, www.thebiblelive.com, or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888. That's P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas 78218. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. And we are with you. Thanks for joining us tonight, folks, for the Bible Live Quiz Show. 
get all the right buttons pushed, get ourselves all organized here. Jacob's in the studio with me. Marco's going to his place, uh, looking at him through the window, and we are ready to get going. We are going to be asking you questions tonight from, see, where are we? We're in the book of Judges, exactly. We've been looking at Joshua, then the book of Judges, and then, uh, I guess this coming week, Jacob will finish the book of Judges, uh, tomorrow night on Monday evening, and then we'll read the book of Ruth. It's one of the, one of the few, actually, maybe a handful, uh, three, four, five books of the Bible that we can read the entire book at one sitting, and so we'll read the book entire book of the Ruth, the book of Ruth, the Ruth, the Ruth, the Ruth. yes, indeedy, okay. that unique it's too woman. Too bad we're not doing Esther. Huh? It's too bad we're not doing Esther. You know what? I'm not hearing you too well, so I'm going to have to oh, get my... Right? Uh, I'm well, I'm talking to... real loud, too. Are you? Yes. Let's see if that helps a little bit. That may... Well, I hear you differently. Can you hear me now? Well, that must be, oh, I see, that was, I turned myself up, now I'll turn you up. Can you hear me? And there you are, yes, indeedy. Hey, so that's like that old phone commercial, can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. Okay, <laughs> adapting that, can you hear me now? By the way, do you know what uh, the one cat said to the other cat? Meow. No, close, he said, can you hear me? Meow. <laughs> well, I almost got it. I tell you what, I'm not, uh, you know, not totally out of it here. Good. Oh, I got a, I got a part of it. Can you hear me? Can you hear me meow? Well, folks, you can hear us meow tonight. We're going to be talking about the book of Judges, chapters one through eighteen. That's what we read this past week. And as always, uh, Jacob is here. He's giving us that unique uh, Jewish look at the scriptures, Old and New Testaments. Uh, that born out of the Hebrew nation, the Hebrew people, the Hebrew language, the Hebrew culture and, and traditions. Uh, how can we hope to understand this book to the degree we'd like without that perspective? And he helps us so well. So, Jacob, glad to have you along. I've got some questions already selected oh, great. from Psalms 46 through 50. Those are the Psalms we read. Uh, I, I could... I could actually pick some from the judges too. I have, uh, I have some I like, but I always like to give you a priority. There, you sometimes know what you want to talk about, right? What we, what well, we might sure. want to. Well, sure. Okay, no. then I'll give the uh, questions from the Psalms, and then uh, give you a chance to answer the questions from the judges, the initial questions at least. And let's get started uh, from the Psalms. As I said, we read. Psalms 46 through 50, actually 45, the the second the ending part of Psalm 45. So I have a question there from Psalm 45 as well. But let's go to uh, this general question about the Psalms. What is a messianic Psalm? Now I don't believe that phrase. That's not a biblical phrase, right, Jacob? In other words. The Bible never refers to a particular psalm as being, quote, messianic. If the Bible does, doesn't characterize it. If it does, it. I'm not familiar with yeah. it. But, but uh, today we, we often talk about, well, that's a messianic psalm. Uh, what does that mean? All right, Give us an idea. When someone talks about a psalm being a messianic psalm, what does that mean? Okay, that's one question. Here's a question from Psalm 48. Psalm 48 in Psalm 48, the architecture, the location, 
the fortifications, the, the details of the uh, the construct of what city are used to describe and exalt God. The architecture, location, and fortifications of what city are used to describe and exalt God. This is kind of like a, a Google map journey through this particular city, Psalm 48, Psalm 48 is. So what, what, what city is highlighted and described there and used as a way to describe and exalt God there in Psalm 48. All right. If you want to give us a call, the phone number is 340-9585-340-9585. That's the local call-in line for the Bible Live Quiz Show. And you can call in, answer the question, win some wonderful prizes, and get a chance to visit and talk a little bit about what's, what your perspective, what the, this, this book, the Bible, that we make and a point so of reading through. I was trying to write the number down. What was that number? It was three four zero ninety five eighty five. Ah, got it. You That's, got it. All right. I do. Thank it, you. Some folks try to listen via the internet as well, and maybe they're outside the direct dialing area. That's the area code two ten. So if you are, you can dial eight seventy seven six thirty five seven five seven eight seventy seven six thirty fifty seven fifty seven. So that's um, a couple of numbers you can use, but most use the uh, local line to get in to us at the program. According to Psalm 49, now uh, we're going on to a different psalm. Accord, oh, uh, this is interesting. Of course, it, it sounds real complicated, but if you don't get caught up in all the verbiage, the question, I think, is relatively easy. According to Psalm 49, there is an earthly experience that no human being can avoid, and it's not taxes. <laughs> And after which all earthly accomplishments, wealth, fame, or influence mean absolutely nothing. I'm not quite sure that. Maybe we could talk about it. But according to Psalm 49, there is an experience which no earthly human being can avoid, and after which all earthly accomplishments, wealth, fame, influence, and so on, mean absolutely nothing. What is this earthly experience? Right? I think it's fairly easy. Uh, you can kind of get distracted by all the verbiage there, but uh, what is that earthly experience that no human being can avoid? In other words, it's, it's something we all have in common, and that after which all earthly accomplishments, wealth, fame, influence, all of those things will mean nothing. Is that not that? That's probably not a good way to put that. That question is it, Jacob? Anyway, well, that's it's a, a hint. Is it's the opposite of life? <laughs> that's more than a hint, man. I, that's okay. Now, you you're very generous in your hint tonight. That's great. Uh, what do you got for us from the Book of Judges? Okay, let's do your number two. Can you hear me now? I can hear you can now. You hear me meow. I can even see you. Oh. oh. Okay, now number two. How old was Joshua when he died? This is a good piece of just general information. I pick, like, general things. Yeah, uh-huh. So how old was when he died? Moses was 120. How old was this guy? Joshua, how uh-huh. old was he uh-huh. when he died? Okay. Okay, you'll find the answer in uh, Judges 2, 8. Okay. And then, uh, and you're number eight. Can how you ma- imagine the cake? At his birthday party? I mean, really. 
Yeah. He took the cake, yeah. Smokey Bear would be uh, upset, I think. Okay, you're number eight. How many judges are present totally in the book of Judges? I thought you were going to say, how many judges does it take to, light, to change a light bulb? Uh-huh. Well, I don't know that, but I know the answer to this question. How many judges are presented in the book of Judges? All right. And you're, uh, you're number ten. Who is the only woman judge of Israel? Well, shall we say up to this point? Oh, up to oh, this point. Oh, yeah. Let's just say, not that I'm tinkering with your question. Are you going to throw a wrinkle into our... No, we'll just say, in the book of Judges, who is the only woman judge? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Good, good. That's, that's yeah. yeah, all of this is based on the book of Judges. But yeah, interesting, right. uh, there was another, huh? Uh, a couple, yeah. Okay, you um, have to tell us about them. Yep. Okay, and then there's one that's really dramatic, your number 12. When Deborah and Barak... Uh, attacked and defeated Sisera's army. Sisera fled for protection to the tent of Heber and his wife, Jael. What happened there? (laughs) Well, yes, that's number 12, right? And you're going to find the answer in 4.21. Chapter 4, Joshua chapter 4, verse 21. All right, there's four good questions from the book of Judges and three from the Psalms. If you'd like to answer any of those questions, Give us a call, 340-9585. Or if they want to talk about something else, ask yeah. another question, make a comment, anything, right? They can do that as well. We're glad to hear from you. Uh, it's your, your radio program to talk about all things biblical. What about, about this book of books, This this, uh, what is it about it that you enjoy, that you like, that puzzles you? Uh, we'd love to hear from you. 340-9585 or, uh, again, long, dialing long distance, we have a toll-free number for you, 877-630-5757. Now, Jacob, as we look at the book of Judges, chapters 1 through 18 here, uh, there are a number of things generally that we can talk about the book, about what it represents. You always bring up the fact that all... Let me see, 613, 613 laws. You, uh, some of these things I don't know where you, I don't know where you get them from. Um, I, I'm sure it comes from Hebrew understanding and history and culture and. Well, judges in Hebrew is the word, you know, the word shofar, the horn you blow, like. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Well, it's an adaptation of that word. It's. Uh, oh really? Shoftim, shoftim. Okay. It's judges. So it's sounding an alarm about something because a judge also sounds an alarm like the chauffeur sounds an alarm. So that it's teaching you something here. And so we can start right in chapter 1. It's not one of your questions, so don't worry. All right. But right in chapter 1, they can What me say, worry? Remember, my real name is Newman, you know, Alfred E. Newman. What me worry? I don't worry. Uh, yeah. Okay. Is, is that right? That's right. You know, you, you didn't tell me that. New man dollar. Yeah, no, you didn't tell me that. <laughs> okay. Not many people know that. Now now everybody knows now that. Everybody knows that. Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, so I won't have to tell. Uh-huh. Anyway, but uh, right in the beginning of Chapter 1, you see, you've got these things. Let's, let's call this your graduation exam. Okay. So let's say you've just gone through the first six books of the Bible, the Torah, and then Joshua. Uh-huh. Now, if everything had worked just splendidly, Technically, there would only be six books in the Bible. However, things didn't go so well. So, now we're going to take your graduation exam. You just studied the Torah. You know the laws. Because six plus one is seven plus three is ten commandments, right? 
Mm-hmm. Now, in the Ten Commandments, you can derive all... That's where you get 613, 6 that, plus 1 plus 3. Yeah, okay. Exactly so. And as you go down through the Torah, you'll be able to discern them. And, of course, the laws are, are not just specified and written out. They're told in stories. The reason for the story is so that you learn the rule, but you learn that there's certain applications. Like, it's a good thing to always help people, right? Yes, but maybe you change you the facts. Yep. Yeah, or you can change the facts or circumstances. Maybe it's not a good thing. Or it's a bad thing to maybe kill somebody. But you change the facts and maybe it's not. So the story and circumstances is exceedingly important to understand that the law has to be applied in the stories themselves. And sometimes when you people will say, oh, there's a conflict. It's not a conflict. It's you're changing the question. You change the answer. So if you've got the rule, you must know as a judge not only when there is law to be followed, but there's mercy and there's equity, and it's, that's what makes up a judge. And so this is your final exam, the book of Judges. You have just studied, and there's no harm if you fail. If you can't identify the 613 laws, let's say, in the book of Judges, no problem. We'll go back and start at Genesis again. And as we go through the... <laughs> that's, a, that's pretty much a guarantee. Uh, I, I, yeah. Has anyone ever identified all... Now, now let me get... i got to ask you this question. Now, the 613 number, yes, you're saying, I'm, I'm, if I'm getting you, maybe here even for the first time I'm getting this, that in the book of uh, the law, in the Torah, you have the big ten, you know, the... You know, the the Ten Commandments, as we given to Moses at Mount Sinai and so on. And you're saying that as Moses clarifies and expands on those Ten Commandments throughout the book of uh, uh, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, that there actually someone has actually counted how many laws are are mentioned or given. Oh yes, uh huh. And, and there's 613. 613, and co- coalesces very well as 6 plus 1 is 7, plus 3 is 10. And so if you know how to extrapolate, you can actually draw the 613 out of the 10. Okay, yes. and, yeah, right. That's exactly, I guess, what Moses is doing. But then you're saying now in the book of Judges, uh, beyond the fact that it's, it, the history involved and just telling, it's about a 300-year Slice of history after the people of Israel conquer the Canaan and they settle into their different allotted areas. This this is how things went for 300 years. These are the things that happened. Uh You're saying in there then, in this story, you can isolate and point out every one of those 600 stories. At least one time. If you're a judge, you want a judge that knows not only law, but knows when to apply. Some of the laws require mercy and some justice, some consideration, some of the facts. Because maybe if a guy steals a loaf of bread, did he steal? Yes. But maybe his child was hungry. So there's different things. The, The stories teach the law and when not just the law, but when to apply them. So it's very, very important. Can you hear me okay? Okay. So, um, uh, example, if uh, in the in the very first book of Judges, we look at these and we say, oh, these bad people, these these bad people, look at how bad they're doing. Well, okay, they're doing bad, but if I say to you, well, what exactly is erupting that feeling in you? What You feel it's bad, but can you tell me why? You, If you can't, then you're not a judge. 
So you have to be able to tell what was wrong, not just that I feel it's wrong. The example is that the guy that uh, says, I'll kill the first thing that walks out of my door. Well, what did he expect to walk out of the door? A human being. Well, you can't kill a human being as an offering. And so he's done something, and you should be able to say, well, you can't kill a human being. You identify that law quick. Well, what happens if he made a rash vow? And he said, I promise God I'll do it. And it was stupid. So, But there's several things going on. Can he get out of that? Does he have to fulfill a crazy vow of killing his daughter? Or if he knew the law and when to apply it due to the circumstances, could he change? And what happened to the elders that are with him? In other words, what would be the solution, the resolution of yes, the problem of as well? And what uh -huh. about the elders that are with him? That's a law. So the law, the elders should have been advising him. But they got it wrong too. So if you are going to criticize your feelings are one thing. I feel this isn't a bad thing. This is wrong. Tell me how it's wrong. And that's the idea. So I see. you change the circumstances, you change the law. That's why the Torah is not just a book of one, two, three, four laws. You have to know, and just like a court case in our system, you know the law, but you must listen to the case and the facts. It's wrong to kill. But what if he killed saving somebody else's life? Does he get death? Well, of course not. He was defending. So you have to know the facts as the story. That's why the stories are built around the laws. And now we're going to be presented stories that gives you an opportunity to say, hey, like in Chapter 1 of Judges, they catch, catch this bad king. What do they do to him? They say, hey, we chop off his thumbs and his fingers. And he says, well, I did that to 70 other kings. Well, why is he making a big deal about the 70? This is not one of your questions, but this is the idea. Uh -huh, I get it. So is that what you do? You do back something, a mutilation of a human being? No, you do not. That's not God's laws. It feels good to us because it feels like our justice. But if you get that wrong, you failed the first question out of the shoot. That's vengeance, right? That's Would right. That be yeah, that's right. Yeah. So see, you're, you're messing it up right there because you say, wait a minute. He did wrong. He killed people. He's got some punishment coming. But there's no punishment in God's Torah about maiming a human being. It's forbidden. So... Very yeah, I get it. I get it. That's that's interesting, and it brings, it makes the book of Judges, I think, very practical to us yeah. as believers, to understand not just why we feel uncomfortable about something, why, we, but to understand why what was really going on, and what particular law or principle that God had given is being violated in a given situation. Now that's. I like that way, and I find that instructive to well, look at the well, book of Judges the, that here's way. Here's the embarrassing thing. So uh -huh. when somebody really wants to say, oh, aren't those guys you know, bad, crazy, bad guys, bad judges, look what everything in Israel happened. I like to say, okay, if you're saying it's bad, show me what thing they did wrong. Why is it bad? Or are you just feeling it's bad? And so this is your test. This is not about the characters in the book. This is about you. Being able to discern. Rightly discern. Right. Yeah. Sure. Boy, if there's ever a period of time that we need to be able to do that, this is an era or a time in, in our own country's uh, history, in our own country's experience, that we really need to be able to make those kind of decisions as normal, everyday, common citizens, right. for one, and, of course, those... Who are now? W w the word judges, as you said, the uh, shoftim, shoftim, huh? Shoftim. Uh, it it doesn't actually mean judges in the sense that we ha like. I I was telling you, I just got off the phone on the way here with uh, 
uh, one of, of our county judges, her family court, uh, Crystal Chandler. Some of you know that Crystal was just elected her first term as a judge in our city uh, this past year. She's began uh, exercising. I was just talking to her a little bit about uh, how it's going. She just started, uh, got into the office and started kind of functioning as a judge here in January. Uh, and so she's, now she's got a couple of months so under the belt. So you're suggesting we give her this test? Oh, you know, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be bad, I guess. But I guess what what I'm saying is that it it's practical. It's really everyday life, and it's one of the things I was asking her, Jacob. Is well, now that you've gotten started and you're settling into the office and you're settling into the responsibilities that come with being a family court judge and and, and helping uh, men be better fathers and moms be better moms and taking care of children in the family court and so on. Um, and I was kind of asking her questions about what it's been like for her to to take on, to actually sit in that seat and, and sit in that seat and take on those responsibilities. And she was talking about the, some of the same things that you just mentioned. That one thing is the law and all the you know the as it's written down the law that says this, it says that, and the other. The other is to actually apply that to real life situations to real people. Uh, and circumstances, and uh, how challenging that is, and and uh, and she's really enjoying the challenge and enjoying the opportunity to uh, to put in a to be a godly uh, uh, you know a godly person in that position, trying to be consequent, trying to be consistent with the laws and uh, with with not only just the letter of the law but the spirit of the law as well. And I, so I find this. What we're talking about tonight, the book of Judges isn't a, it's not about judges in that limited sense that we know today, a judge, but this was a 300 year period. The people of Israel moved into Canaan. They, they had about seven years of ongoing, you know, very specific warfare, seven or eight years of really battling, and then they went into a period of another 18 years, about a 25 year period, where they, where they kind of clean up operations, and they were cleaning out the different tribes. And what tribes. happens each time in the story that they don't follow God's laws? Yeah. What happens? You know? We'll talk about it when we, we get will. back from this we'll break. We'll talk about it. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about it. What happens, and we hopefully our listeners will call in and talk about that they as well. Did, they, did you tell them they could call one prizes? Yeah, 340-9585. I told them, Jacob. I told them. Call, call. The line, Somebody call. Yeah, the lines are open. You can call in, and we'll get right back at this break. And we will talk about uh, the book of of Judges, and we'll take your calls and continue discussing what we can learn from this great book. Don't go away. Hi, I'm Eric Galindo, training director for the FSI Training School. For individuals and businesses, we offer certification courses in CPR and first aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, 
They haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work, we had got our oil done before. It could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. I will make sure you pass science if you help me with this. Well, you got the easy part. After reverse duff, you are you wearing pajamas? In the movie The Duff, Bianca and Wesley used to be best friends way back when. But once they hit high school, he became a top-of-the-heap football star, and she drifted down the status ladder. Then one day, Wesley informs Bianca that she's become the Duff to two pretty girls, a designated ugly fat friend. And Bianca means for that to change. This teen tale takes a close look at bullies and cliques, and it encourages viewers to be a little nicer to one another. Alas, the film's unnecessary sensual situations and discussions and suggested teen drinking detract from those nicer messages. So I'm giving the duff just two red plastic cups out of five for family friendliness. For our full take of this movie and the film's focus and still Alice, visit us at PluggedIn.com. Plugging you into the movies, I'm Bob Walaszewski for Focus on the Families, Plugged In Movie Review. If hope is born of suffering, if this is only the beginning, can we not wait for one hour watching for our You're listening to The Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. All right, we are back. This is The Bible Live Quiz Show. And we are studying a book, uh, the book of Judges. Uh, We're not studying. We've been reading on our Bible reading program Monday through Friday. We just read through uh, the first 18 chapters of the book of Judges. And now, of course, tonight we're studying a bit. We're scratching a little beneath the surface. We're uh, kind of going into a little more detail about the book. We don't have a lot of chance for a commentary uh, in the Bible reading program. We give a priority to just letting you hear the the book of books, letting you hear the Bible itself instead of hearing uh, my commentary or my thoughts or my ideas or uh, even someone else's. We think it's important that you hear the Bible itself. Uh, in its context, in its completion, not skipping around, but the entire Bible, every chapter, every verse, every book of the Bible. But now here on Sunday evening, we get a chance to dig a little deeper, to, to look it over, to examine it, to talk about it. And um, 
I, I guess that song kind of pictures the idea of the book of Judges is we, we now we're we're applying the law. Before we've had all you know these rules are laid out that are going to guide Israel and the guide the people of God in their in their social life and their experiences. And now we're we're walking it out. We're just saying, okay, here's what it looks like when it is lived or when it is not lived. When it is obeyed, when the laws of God are obeyed, there is blessing. And when the laws obeyed or our laws of God are ignored or disobeyed, we see then that there those curses that we saw there in the book of Deuteronomy that Moses mentions that we see that bad things happen. There are bad consequences, and so we're looking at the book of Judges. These are judges are eleven men and one woman. As the people of Israel now are in the promised land, the first three hundred years. They're, after they've made the conquest, they don't have a central government. There's no king. Uh, there's not a strong central. Each uh, Would you call this something like states' rights or akin to each tribe more or less function within its own governance with their elders and their... Uh, their uh, well, I think you're going to find a line later on, and Judge says there was no king, so every man did what was right in his own eyes. Oh, it's continually. Yeah, that's I, probably one and, of the great and things. And that's the key. Yeah. They're not following God's laws. They're doing what they think is right. And in today's world, uh, so many, and pardon me for saying this, but so many religions and religious practices, even in the Christian world, they say, well, it means this, it means that, and you have these great, unfortunate, sad conflicts. And the truth is, it's not what we think. There's no harshness, there's no penalty. Actually, the more you learn about God's laws, you realize, man, they are fair. In fact, I have to admit they're more fair than I knew, know how to be. And so what's fascinating is it can't be what you feel or what you think or just accept everybody. Uh-huh. It can't be. But it doesn't mean you have to hurt anybody. But all the laws are balanced. Like one of the laws that people overlook is forgiveness. That is one of the 613. Mercy is. All those things, charity is. That's a law. So those things that we feel that we ought to do and then we criticize perhaps, you know, the Jews for having these things are almost identical except God said that is the law, but you might feel it in your heart. And the idea is that even if you don't feel it in your heart, you must give charity because it trains you to be a better person. Excellent. Well, the, well, what we see here then this 300-year period then is uh, from the point of view of government, you know, like a king and central government and so on, th- this would be, wouldn't it be something akin to states' rights where each of the tribes, they already had their uh, their system of I mean, they, the elders and the system, family and the, and the clan and the yes. and so on. So they had their systems within each tribe, but there was no central government at this time. There was no king, so every man who says did what was right in his own eyes. Uh-huh. Uh, that's one of the general statements that characterizes this right. period of time. Right. But in in another sense, if it's like our Constitution, I suppose. As Americans, we have this Constitution that is, to an un, to an amazing extent, based on the Ten Commandments, based on the principles of biblical principles. Uh, I mean, I'm not, I, I, I don't, I know I'm not stretching it too much there. I don't know about it based on all of these uh, 613 laws, but it is based on a biblical worldview. I mean, that can be demonstrated historically. 
the, our Constitution. If we would allow the Constitution to guide us in the reality, which which leads us back to the the biblical worldview and the biblical laws, then then we would be fine. I mean, and we did prosper greatly as a nation when that was taking place. But once you move away from that biblical worldview, the God, the centrality of God and worship and justice, then you get into all kinds of trouble, which we are seeing in our own culture today, our own society. We don't even know what is right and what is wrong. Yeah, as we've moved away from that foundation. Uh, and the same thing, I guess that's what we're looking at here in the book of Judges. Is that, But what would happen then is they would go through these experiences, Jacob, and then they would get in trouble. Some Either some foreign nation would... Oh, that's what I wanted to get to. Some foreign nation would begin to uh, to attack them or to uh, oppress them, or from inti- internal to the country, they would run into crises and mm-hmm. difficulties. And then some hero, uh, some individual, mm-hmm. uh, these el- 11 men and one woman are, are these judges, mm-hmm. would be raised up somehow. Uh, we believe God is involved in the process of calling them to be uh, to this position of response, and they get the trust and the, uh, to some degree, the um, the um, acquiescence of the rest of the tribes, and they become they become kind of a leader, or they become kind of a king during their era while they live, and and they lead the people back, in, in many of the cases, back to the idea of the the laws of God, and so and is that an accurate? Yes, that's of, beautiful. That's correct. And what you're pointing out is. The punishment that we see so often in the book of Judges is what? Is being conquered, being in exile, but when they return to God, they're no longer conquered. We have little little vignettes of these different groups. Yeah, they're set then, free from the oppressor, from uh, the Moabites, right. or this but group then, or the other. But then when it gets larger, we've got Babylon. We've got Rome conquering them. So these are little vignettes that setting the stage for teaching us. When we disobey God's laws, now these God's laws, most of them are, I know there's 613 as we said, but actually, Soapy, two-thirds of them can only be done in Israel. So you have to be in Israel, because they involve the temple, etc. So okay. it has to be in Israel. They're not imposed on other places or other countries. They're only for, really for the Jews in Israel. And so that's what that's about. Now there is a spot that we were talking about during the break where Jesus talks about judges. Right, and I would love for somebody to call in. Let's talk about that because I I'm so fascinated. Because as we were talking, is uh, generally if somebody wants to oh, yeah. attack a Christian, the take they attack him on is what criticism, you know? Yeah, uh, don't judge. You know, you're not supposed to judge. That, that, right. like, that's uh-huh. really is that a that's a misconception really of that we've brought into our culture today yes, that we think, uh-huh. oh, you're not supposed to judge. We're not to have any kind of, we're not to discriminate at all in our understanding of human behaviors. And right. It's just unrealistic altogether, but uh, it sounds biblical because didn't Jesus say but don't Jesus, judge? Jesus, I would suggest, is referring to the lesson in this book, Book of Judges. What's he say? Don't judge. He says, judge not lest, lest you, you be, be judged. judged. And then people forget the second sentence. It's this. Jesus says, by what measure you judge, you shall be measured. In other words, the whole error that takes place in the book of Judges here is they're not doing God's laws in the land of Israel. Well, Jesus, of course, is in the land of Israel. And he's saying, if you make up your own laws, then, of course, the next guy will make up his. Judge not lest you be judged, for with what measure you measure, 
In other words, you make up if your you're own, going to make up your own laws, the next guy will make up his. We don't do that. To be a judge <laughs> in Israel, you must only know and use and apply, by, based on the facts, God's laws. In other words, if the Democrats make up their own laws, the answer isn't for the Republicans to come in and make up their own laws. The answer is for both of them to subject themselves and submit themselves to the laws of God. That's the idea. <laughs> Oh, from uh, from our lips to the to God's ears and to uh, to. Uh, I don't to, think it has to go to God's ears. To I think it has to go Congress. to the, the Democrats and Republicans. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe He would mercifully grant us people with that kind of wisdom. Um, so anyway, there is a practicality, folks, to what we're looking at. In the book of Judges. This is not all this stuff. Oh, that happened 3,000 years ago. By the way, an example of what you said earlier, just a moment ago, uh-huh. takes place this week. Did you know that? Okay, you said, let me see. A now, judge is, is always raised up, right? Right. In a circumstance. That's the lesson we've taught here. You just said that God will raise up Gideon or Samson or somebody. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Well, this week is the anniversary of one of those judges being raised up. Let me think. Who would that be? It would be. Dun, dun, it had dun, to be dun, one of the well-known dun, ones, dun, right? Dun, 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 ding. So say, I guess it has to be one of the well-knowns. It wouldn't be the woman, would it? It is. Deborah? Really? No. Oh, teasing me. Yes. Uh, okay. uh, she was. Uh, she married the king. Oh, she married. She married the king, and God's not mentioned in the book. Oh, Ruth? Uh, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, I mean, I mean. Hold on, hold on. Yes, I, yeah, I know who it is. I know who it is. I, I know you do. I know you do. Uh, I, I can see it coming. Yeah, you can. No, I think you cause uh, yeah, my hair. Yeah. You smell the hair burning. Uh, uh, let me see. What was her, that other woman? <laughs> that other woman. Yes. Yeah. That's, uh, uh, yeah. Uh, not Ruth, but. Uh, Okay, go uh, ahead. Esther. Esther, yes. Now, this week in the Jewish calendar, the Jews have always kept it, and they even keep the Feast of Esther. And that's Wednesday this week. Robert. And Thursday is actually what's called Purim. And that's the holiday that was established for the Jews by Esther. And remember what Mordecai, her uncle, says to her? Almost says exactly what you just said. Uh, you you may have been placed here for, for just, just this a, time. A moment like this, yeah. Uh-huh. And exactly. so you see what you said. Was so this week, time. this coming week. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Good. How about the timing? I tell you what. Every time, every year, I learn something else about uh, the history of God's dealing with His people, and particular that just makes me think. Well, the way we read the Bible is just the timing is perfect for all, all of our American holidays. You and, have done an excellent uh, job. Oh yes, I just. I accidentally slipped into this timing, but it's wonderful. I'm, I'm glad the Lord led us to this particular schedule of reading. I ha- have you noticed that we have got no calls? I, I kind of have noticed that. That's a, that's a first. You and I usually don't have any problem filling the airspace, but uh-huh. we'd love to let our listeners. Uh, oh, I know you have one listener in particular that likes it when we have no calls because he likes to hear us talk. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the only one, I'm afraid. But. Uh, but I love him to death. But anyway, if you'd like to call, folks, if you'd like to join our conversation, if you'd like to answer some of these questions that come uh, that we've given out tonight from uh, the Psalms, you know, forty-six through Sophie, fifty. Everybody likes Samson. Call somebody. Call him. Let's talk about Samson. What is it that he did wrong? What was the name of Samson's Samson's wife? Uh-huh. Let's let's give let's put that question out there. What was the name of Samson's Wife. That's a question. Maybe uh, our questions were too yeah, could be. difficult. Yeah. What do you think? And, and Tom Jones did sing a song about her. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, look at there. I see a light. How about that? We we finally have shaken free. We ask a question that someone knows the answer to. How about that? Well, there you have it. Let me, uh, as we're waiting for that, how old was Joshua when he died? Uh-huh. Judges chapter 2, verse 8. And we know that Moses was 120. When Moses died, and Joshua's a little younger. A little younger. Uh-huh. Yeah. How many judges are presented in the book of Judges? Mm-hmm. Who was the only woman judge of Israel? Now these aren't in the book difficult. of Judges. Yeah, <laughs> chapter four, verse four. Yes. And then when Deborah and uh, who did I say? When Deborah and Barak attacked and defeated Sisera's army, uh, Sisera fled for protection to the tent of Heber and his wife Jael. Mm-hmm. Jael, isn't that a word from uh, Superman? When it is. <laughs> Interestingly. Yeah. And uh, what's interesting is the, the guys that created Superman were Jews. A couple, <laughs> a couple of young Jewish boys. How about that? Uh, well, what happened to this guy? And by the way, the S on the chest is not really an S. Oh, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a Jewish thing. Okay. I mean, Cicera. Cicera fled. I don't think so. Not C- close. <laughs> he fled for protection to the tent of... Heber and his wife, Jael, and our question is, what happened to him there in that tent? Chapter 4, verse 21. Let's go quickly, though, before Michael gives up on us. <laughs> Michael, thanks for calling in. You're rescuing us tonight from our own voices. That's, that's great. Oh, you rescue me every week, so that's a pleasure. Uh, you are so nice. Well, what's going on in your world, and what are you listening to as you listen to the book of Judges? And uh, You've been listening for years. I if Jacob thought that Baruch, uh, Deborah's general, was a wise man or a coward. <laughs> you have those two choices. He's well, either a wise man or a coward. Uh, I would say a bit of both. A human being, huh? Yeah, wow. a human being. Except I because I would... he said, if you go, uh-huh. I'll go. If you don't go, I'm right. not going. Right. Well, we've got, of course, Deborah is a judge. And obviously that tells the Jewish reader that this woman is knowledgeable in all of God's laws. So you got Barak, Baruch coming and saying, well, I don't really know God's laws, but you're the judge. Uh, you make these decisions for us because he was obviously not as knowledgeable as her. I do want to add one thing about you said wisdom. And here it comes, Sophie. Yes, now wait a minute. I've got a verse for you. I know it's coming. I know. Hang on, hang on. Look up. up uh, where is it? It says that. Uh, oh, come on. Uh, uh, oh, it's in next week's question. Oh, that's okay. Well, we can talk. Okay, okay, okay. Go ahead. Anyway, I will tell you, in our culture, and Sophie knows this because uh, he gets so tired. Well, Michael knows it too by now. Yeah. But, you know, wisdom is that spark, shall we say, that comes from God. And that's why when it talks about Solomon, he was a wise man. I mean, he got his knowledge from God, but he never applied understanding. He never applied knowledge. Biblically, it's always in this order, wisdom, understanding, knowledge. In our culture, we say wisdom's better, but that's not really biblical. Well, so, I've, I've seen some verses that really seem to highlight and, and uh-huh. Exalt uh-huh. wisdom. Yes, uh, well, uh, wisdom is important because without that, you can't do your understanding. You can't gain knowledge. Okay, so but foundation. But if you look huh? like uh, several places, like if you go back and look in Exodus where 
the guys built the ark and uh, all that. He says, I'm giving them, I'm, God actually says in the Hebrew, it actually says, I'm giving them wisdom, understanding, knowledge. And if you look in Proverbs, you'll see that. So the wisdom is what comes from God to a human being. Then I learned to develop. I learned to understand it. I learned how to take the seed and grow wheat. And then I have knowledge. I can pick the seed, and I know how to make it into bread. So that's the idea. Anyway, I just want to say it. So this would be an acknowledgement that certainly she knows more. She's a judge. She knows more. Are you still there, Michael? Yes. So she knows more of understanding God's laws than this guy. And this is... Certainly what he's saying could be read as, a well, you know, I'm a little timid, but I only do this if you're telling me that this is what God's Torah teaches us. Was was Barak, and you kind of jumped into the story there, Michael, when you asked that question. I mean, just in case someone doesn't know, this woman is raised up as a judge of Israel, which I, I would like to know a little bit more. How, was this just kind of universally recognized that Deborah was a judge? How, how did... How did how was it common knowledge, or how was it to be understood that she was a judge? And, and was Barack expressing doubt about the fact that she was a judge when he said, "Look, I'll I'll only go because she told him to go and attack." Uh, who was it? The, the, uh, who were they battling at this time? Who? Uh, the Canaanites. Okay, was she saying go and battle them? And he said. I'm not going to go unless you, you know, he said, I'll go, but if you go as well. Was that an expression of him doubting in some way uh, that she was a judge, though she had heard from God? It certainly could be read that way. And another way that you might consider reading it is he's saying, look, uh, I recognize your position as opposed to mine. And it is unusual, especially in this time in history, to require a woman to go to battle, but she does occupy the office. She is acknowledged as being knowledge-wise of the Torah more than him. Now, in Israel, even today, the battle... Was that the qualification for a judge Uh to know about the Torah? Oh, sure. I see. Okay. And and that was recognized. I mean, that was... Sure. I see. And you know if you're talking to somebody, if they know a little bit more than you. But here's one of the interesting things. Then... And now. No, I've never had that experience. Uh-huh. Well, that's why when I ask, I, 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 I only do what women tell me. At any rate. Um, only when Michael calls in do I know that somebody knows more than I do. Well, here, here's the case. Uh, if, if What's fascinating is, uh, is that if in Israel as today, it's different than in the American army. In the American army, the generals. True. They sort of sit up on a hill with their binoculars and guide. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But in Israel, the leader, the general, has to lead the troops, not be behind the them. The leader has to lead, right? Huh? Yeah. Uh, and so what you've got is this is why Dave and everybody, you've always seen David, etc. They lead the troops. Even today in Israel, the guys that are leading the troops, they can't stand back and give orders. They've got to lead the troops. They've got to subject themselves to the rules they're doing. So I kind of read it saying, okay, well, I realize you're a woman and I got this kind of a problem, but you know what? You are to lead us. Well, that is part of the military culture of even our era and our age is that folks who are promoted, folks who are brought up into into higher positions of leadership, usually uh, actual combat experience and combat leadership counts so much. Uh, it is really important. Uh, it, 
at least it should be, and it has been historically. Uh, at times, you get into era when you know when bureaucrats and people who are just they haven't been battle tested or proven in leadership on the battlefield, uh, and they get promoted just because of ex- political expediency. And so, and, and that's another one of those things. We get into trouble when that happens, uh, and that's what's happened right now. And, and to some degree, in our present military leadership, you have people that are appointed by the president mainly because of their political views instead of uh, their skill in leading men and women in battle. Although uh, in the military culture, it still it still counts for a lot that when you have been in battle and you have led men in danger, that 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 counts for something. It right. And I would say, Michael. If you look over in chapter 4, approximately in verse 4, verse 5, you'll see that it says uh, she sat beneath Deborah's palm. So that's I, I lost you, Jacob. I, I can't hear you anymore. Oh, okay, well, Soapy turned me off. Okay. <laughs> now, can you hear me now? Better. Okay. Here's what happened. If you look over in chapter 4, verse 4, verse 5, uh, you'll see it says Deborah sat underneath the palm. Those aren't just words of saying that it was, a, it was a hot day and she's getting some shade. That's saying that's a recognition of the seat she was occupying and that she was sitting in the judge's seat, you see. So and that was located between Rama and Bethel in uh-huh. the hill country of Ephraim, yeah. Uh-huh. So, see, they're telling you really in, in the Bible's, you know, old language, that she's sitting in the judge's seat. So we know who she is because where she's sitting. How about that? And she sent for Barak. She actually took the initiative. She heard from God and sent for him and said, This is what the Lord the God commands you to do. Call out 10,000 warriors and go from the tribes of Naphtali and Zebulun at Mount Tabor and go and attack this army. And he is, in this, in essence, it sounds like he's kind of doubting a little bit that she heard from God or, or he wants to make sure that, well, okay, you heard from God. You put your life in danger. I want you to go along. In a way, there seems to be a little bit of doubt, a questioning of her authority or that she's actually heard from God. I'm kind of wondering with Michael there about uh, his motive for saying it that way. But she went along. She, she. But the price of her going, Michael, what was the price? She said, okay, I'll go along, but what? Well, she uh, I told a gen- general... Barack, that if I go, you will not get credit for the victory. It will go to? Probably to herself. Well, it says to a woman. He, she yeah, doesn't say to woman. herself. And, and, and that was really turned out to be correct. And, and whether you think of Deborah or if you think of uh, 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 Jael. In fact, uh, if you look at, uh, continuing with Michael's uh, uh, question and comment, in Chapter uh, 5 of I'm sorry, in, in chapter 4, verse 5, the last sentence is, the Israelis went to her for judgment. So she's sitting there, and that's where they went for judgment. That's what's yeah. going on. She she is a recognized... Now, do you remember what happened to this general? They did they did this, Michael. They went to battle. They took these men, and they went to battle, and they won the, the battle. And uh, this opposing Canaanite general, what was his name? I've forgotten. Uh, Sisera, he went and escaped to the tent of this Kenite, which is basically the Kenite fella that she went to, Heber was his name. Uh, he, uh, th- that was actually, the Kenites were actually, uh, weren't they the, the uh, d- descendants of Keturah? And uh, if I remember correctly, in other words, they were historically close to Israel. 
But this particular family, for some reason, they align themselves more closely with the uh, opposition here, with the enemy general in his and so this this general runs to their camp, and he thinks he's going to a safe place, and they and uh, and the wife Jael says, well, no, just come to my tent, and you'll be safe there because you know men were not going to women's tents in that era, and so she knew that would be a safe place for him to be. And what happened to him? Well, that's one of our questions as well. Maybe you can clear that up for us. Well, she was very wise, and and he asked for water. Oh, I don't have any water, but I've got some warm milk, and I I get sleepy with milk. She knew it would make him <laughs> sleepy, and he did go to sleep. And she was very good at setting up tents. She, uh, yeah. she used his head for a tent, and it, she drove a spike right through his temple, and she she won that battle too. Uh, killed the opposite gym. Uh, the recognized Deborah again. She certainly sends a Barack and a couple of uh, from a different a couple of different tribes initially, but. She, this place where she's setting is in the tribe of, area of Benjamin. Okay. So, I was wondering geographically where that was. So this, is she from that tribe? Uh, that would appear so. All right. Well, Michael, thanks for calling in. I know you're on our list for gifts and prizes, and, and we congratulate you. You're always a stimulus to us to oh, get you. into the word better. Let's go now to our quick break. Thanks, Michael, for calling. Thank you, Michael. We'll be back for more Bible Live Quiz Show. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Don't let that prayer go unspoken. I tell you what, if there's ever going to be regret in heaven, and I understand from the scriptures that there'll be no regrets, no tears, but if there is going to be a regret, it's probably going to be what, when we discover how powerful a tool God has placed in our hands with the privilege of prayer, and we're just going to regret not having prayed more. We need to uh, pray, pray, ask, talk to God, lift up our country, lift up our leaders, lift up our society, our cities, uh, you know, local governments, uh, state, all the way to federal levels. We sure need to be praying for our land these days because we have too, we too have entered into a period of a lot of chaos in, in, in our country. Uh, we don't have a king and, and yet, I don't know, sometimes our president tries to act like a king, but everybody kind of does what's right in their own eyes and we, we've kind of moved away. Not kind of. We've moved away from the idea that God governs in the affairs of men and nations, and we need to attend to what He says. And what what are those laws? We we too are in need of uh, looking at the Book of Judges and, and learning again about the laws of God. We were just talking about the idea that there's this trip to Israel and so on. It kind of brought up some of the themes of what's ha- what are happening in our times right now in our, in our country. I know that. Um, Right now, I believe our government has sent, or uh, the Obama. Res- uh, uh, That's right. As we sit here tonight, 
paid employees were appointed, sent by Mr. Obama, is in Israel, campaigning against the because the election is coming up uh, just very shortly. In when Israel. is that? Yeah, I wonder. That's uh, in in March. Okay. And uh, I think it's in March, maybe early April. But at any rate, they uh, he's ca- they're campaigning. They're paid American government employees campaigning against Benjamin Netanyahu for his opponent because they feel that they'll get more cooperation from the opponent than they will from Benjamin Netanyahu. And basically Netanyahu. it's because Benjamin uh, Netanyahu is uh, he is resisting and fighting against uh-huh. Islam. I mean, and what's funny is, as you know, he's been invited and coming to speak to the United States Congress. Now, he has that right. Congress has the right to invite him. But... Isn't it ironic that there's such a protest by the president that Benjamin Netanyahu can't come here and talk, but at the same time there's actually federal employees over there campaigning against him? Well, and using our diplomatic uh, yeah. offices as and, well. And I think what an irony! He's they—they they really are trying to force. Well, what do you think is the there's, there's, what is the problem with uh, Netanyahu? Is uh, he wants he he wants Israel to survive as a people and as a country. Oh, fancy that! <laughs> and 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 I know that may sound a little a little pointed from my side, and perhaps it is, and perhaps I intend it to be. But I'll also say this: that supposedly there's going to be an announcement. Supposedly, I stress supposedly, and I get my information from some folks over there, that there's going to be some type of treaty announced between America and Iran. And so, if that is coming, that's why he's coming, I believe. At this time, to talk to the Congress before that treaty is presented to them. And that's why Obama and his crew doesn't want people coming over there. Now, if somebody wants to call and disagree with me, I think that's fair and that's reasonable because I've said something. And I'll tell you a couple of well, things. Well, the, there's some facts that go along with this. For yeah. example, it seems like, um, and, and I'm not quite sure how to interpret it, but would that be, would that explain uh, some of the reasons why, for example, the change in, in, in an American uh, policies that the no, uh, no, no, uh, um, Israeli jets can no longer be fueled. Yes, that's a couple of things that people don't know. In the last couple of weeks, um, uh, the America used to have an agreement with Israel that they would refuel in the air the Israeli airplanes. Or on tankers, I on guess. On tankers, yeah. huh? Now, the Israeli planes can no longer be refueled by America whatsoever. And you say, well, what damage is that? Well, because if you can't refuel, you can never reach where? Iran. And so they can't reach them to stop Nuclear weapons. The nuclear production. That's right. yeah. And he's actually ordered that executive order. The other one is is that he ordered the State Department to no longer accept a passport from Israel that says Jerusalem, Israel. In other words, Jerusalem is not recognized by the American State Department as being part of Israel. As now. being the capital or part of Israel. Huh? Oh, well, Isn't this fascinating? And, and that's that's real? That's real, yes. And see, most Americans are not aware no, of that. No, we're not aware of that. But we that's don't. actually what happened. In fact, this week I heard that... Uh, Supposedly, I heard it, so I believe it, and uh, <clears throat> that uh, President Obama had issued an order that federal employees are supposed to refer to as illegal aliens no longer as illegal aliens, but Americans in waiting. <laughs> well, that, that 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 seems. Yeah, but that's not really dealing with Israel. No, uh, but, uh, but, but I will say that it is fascinating that you can no longer get a passport that says Jerusalem, Israel, acknowledged by America, and you've got the for the first time, uh, Israeli airplanes can no longer work in conjunction with America and get refueled, and that would prohibit them because it's like well, it's, it's a yeah. thousand miles round trip. 
and they won't have enough to get there if they got to do something and get back. I so, kind of, I almost have a feeling that some pilots would be willing to do it, even well, if they didn't make yeah, it back. I hear through sources that Israel's taking alternative measures, but they've got to. But I also hear, as I say, there's supposedly going to be some type of, type of treaty announced between America and Iran. And, of course, it's got to come to Congress. So, therefore, Benjamin Netanyahu has been invited by the American Congress to come and speak to Congress. And should he do that, I suspect he'll take a position against letting Iran developed nuclear power or nuclear weapons, which is contrary to the treaty that's going to be voted on. I, I guess I'm like most Americans. I'm really confused as we know that Israel has historically been a reliable and faithful and uh, very effective ally for American interests in that part of the world, uh, the only uh, democracy and so on and so on. We could go on. Uh, in some ways, I, I am kind of flummoxed by this, what what is driving this change of policy? It is in is it entirely just the rising power of Islam and their wealth and their influence and and that we are acquiescing in some ways to that reality of their oil or their in other words is it is it just economic you know political economic factors that now we've found we have to go the other way or uh, some people of course think that it might have to do with uh, uh, Barack Hussein Obama's uh, latent Islamic loyalties or tendencies. Well, I, I want to so. be I want to be reasonable and fair. Anybody, anybody that loves their parents are going to respect their parents, and and I I I th- it doesn't bother me at all if he no matter what religion he is. Quite frankly, if he was a Muslim, a Jew, a Christian, a Catholic, I don't care. What I care about is his fidelity and his integrity towards the honor and safety of America. That's what bothers me. You no, know, that's the that is crucial in, in, as, in as much as his office as president. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know either. It, it's all up in the air about where his actual belief, what what he actual believes. Uh, I, I I find it almost impossible to believe that he's in any any really. In any serious way, a, a, a Christian believer, just not because so much of it's just every, so many of the decisions he's made go against uh, the scriptures, against the Bible, and and so I it can't. I mean, you just can't well, have it both this. ways. I, I know this. Uh, well, the last speech he gave, and I don't mean to keep picking on him, but I will tell you, it was rather humorous to a, a Jewish listener because he came on. He said. The last thing about Islam, he said, well, ISIS is not really Muslim. Okay, let's say that may be or may not be true. But then he said, and he said, Islam always thinks that if you kill a one person, you've killed an entire nation. And that was ironic. Do you know why that's ironic? Because the Muslims, that's not their law. That's Jewish law. It's from the Talmud. And he passed it off as though it was Muslim. And I guess only, uh, I suppose mostly Jewish people perked up and went, wait, well, wait said, a minute, I've heard that yeah, before. Yeah, I said, what, what, what? Well, I didn't yeah. know that was in their books. Yeah. Well, we are in a definitely a very confusing period. Yeah, it, it is it is puzzling, and that's the part that's probably, I know there's a great effort. They really want to divide Jerusalem. And I understand that everybody has emotional and perhaps religious ties to it. And there ought to be accommodation for all people to worship 
where they'd like to worship. I agree. But to this day, well, Jews can, cannot. Right? Jews will be arrested. Even Christians will be arrested if they go up on the Temple Mount where Solomon's Temple was and say a prayer. They got prayer police up there, and the Muslims will arrest you. <laughs> so I, I, I don't. I don't get it, actually. I don't see it as being restrictive right now anyway. Uh, uh, I don't know. Is, is Jerusalem, you know, one of our psalms that we read this past week was about Jerusalem. Uh, in Psalm 48, the architecture, location, and fortifications of Jerusalem are used to describe and exalt God, the, the, the city, this ancient city of Jerusalem. Uh, but is, is it, do you know much about uh, Jerusalem? Is it restrictive right now? Can, can Muslims worship? There? Muslims are free to travel, and there are Muslims that actually enjoy Israeli citizenship. And if you ask them, hey, would you like to leave and get your citizenship someplace else? They say, no, we're fine where we're at. Thank you very much. And everybody is free. Do you know there are actually Muslims elected to the Jewish government? It's called Knesset. The Knesset, yeah. And there are actually Muslims elected in there, and there's no problem with that. It's the only dem- democracy in the Middle East. And you see, if you want me to tell you the truth, they, the the Muslims and their point of view, especially ISIS, they look at it as democracy is the enemy. Israel is known as the little Satan, and they're only viewed as a speed bump to get to the big Satan, which is America. <laughs> speed bump. Very good. Well, it, it is all, I tell you what, for us as good old American Gentiles who don't have, you know, we haven't known about, I, I, actually, we should know more as believers. We've looked in the Bible that uh, Islam is, Can- I mean, they're Canaanites, right? I mean, they they come out of the Canaanite cultures and the Canaanite, Canaanite uh, uh, the societies. Canaanites used to have a, a religion that if they killed their child, they got to heaven. They did. Okay. All right. Well, well um, okay, we just heard something from Mark. And there's a lot of pressure being brought to bear on all kinds of Jewish organizations to not attend when Benjamin Nataher comes over here. But the truth is, he's really, really taking on this chore. And I think is he it, scheduled to come for sure? Yes, yes. And uh, and the Congress. His I speech, cannot his wait. Speeches, I want to hear what he has to say. Tuesday, and he's going to tell Congress. And he's been invited. He didn't ask to come. But he's been invited because he he wants to tell the other side of what's going to happen in this treaty. And he wants the American Congress to know and the public to know. And, of course, there would be a lot of people, and basically the State Department. And uh, He is the elected leader of he is, the nation but, of but Israel. Oba- yeah. Obama won't see him. And some of the congressional leaders, the leading Democrats, have said they'll be busy that day, which is really strange. The truth is, and people don't get this, he is actually, whether you agree with him or not, he is the elected leader. Of one of our... Greatest allies, allies. and he is trying to save lives. What people really may not understand, this is not just saving the land of Israel, but saving Jewish lives. You see, for other people, it's politics. And that's what he is actually in office to do, right? right. And the truth is, this is not politics. This is life and death for Jews. Interesting, interesting. Well, it's just like the book of Judges coming to life. <laughs> We've, we, we're talking tonight as we begin our program about the book of Judges being a, um, a proving ground for the laws of God. And we, this, this 300 year period that Israel goes through after they've, in, uh, they've gone into Canaan, they've conquered, they've, uh, the land has been, uh, allotted to the different tribes and now they have, they've settled into the promised land. 
and we see this. It's kind of almost like a a downward spiral as they ignore the laws of God. As they that that yeah, there are, there are moments of hope uh, under the leadership of Deborah, for example. We see uh, something happen. They get freed from the uh, the uh, oppression. Uh, of this Canaanite king and, and this Canaanite general, uh, the Moabites and others. There are moments of hope, yes, but generally speaking, there's this continual kind of downward spiral of the culture and the society as they move away from the laws of God, as they move away from their, uh, their, their acknowledgement. And I guess I, I want to, uh, this is not about elections so much. This is about the heart attitude of the people of Israel. Uh, as they, as the consensus of, of morality and the consensus of belief moved away from trusting and obeying the true and living God, they, they experience chaos, confusion, and catastrophe. Uh, in all of their, on all the levels of their society. And it kind of, it comes down to the end. You'll see as we finish up the book of Judges on, on Monday night, uh, there is this, this terrible, terrible experience, uh, that we, we hear about that, uh, it's kind of the, I don't know, it, it seems like it's, it's kind of the final story of just how low a, a culture, a society can go. And, and this, this young girl that is, Raped and murdered and cut up in pieces and the body sent around and, and it, and it tears the country apart. They're, they're broken into civil war where they attack one, you know, one of the tribes of Israel is Benjamin is brought under attack. Yep. Uh, it, it, the chaos and the, and the, the, the difficulties in, in, are so sad. As the people move away, and we wonder, what's wrong with those but, but, Jews? Why yes, are they doing that? And that's, we're doing the same thing. That's my, exactly. That's my point is we got this feeling something's wrong. And you say, okay, well, tell me concretely, what is it? And by the way, since we're talking about Deborah, remember when uh, uh, Barack says, okay, I'll go with you if you go, as we're talking about with Michael. Well, you remember when uh, the, that Jewish guy, Jesus... That's a joke. Uh, remember when him, it is important to remember that he was a Jew, right? Yeah. And remember, he says this famous statement. Everybody knows this. Hey, you know, birds have holes, fox have nests, but I have nowhere to lay my head. Well, we many different theories develop. Well, I'm going. We to, think that means that he I, was just I, kind I'm of not say, bragging, but more, he was just more, pointing out that I'm poor. No, no, he's not pointing out he's poor. He's saying Rome controls Israel. I don't even have my own country to lay my head in. <laughs> Okay. Foxes have a whole birds have nests. I can't even lay my head in my own country. At any rate, what uh, I will tell you this: yeah. what's interesting is, remember when he begins? Because he might not have been poor, actually. Well, there's some thought. I mean, he, I mean, he wasn't obviously. I, I don't think it was rich, uh, but he had a they 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 had a treasurer. It, it was Judas, <laughs> so they might have been poor after uh, after all. But they had a treasurer, and they were supported. He was a he sent out a newsletter, you know, and got his donations. There, you know, I don't know. Yeah, the Bible that. live show. <laughs> yeah, his radio uh, program. Yeah. That would so, be great. Hey, but here's the point. This is interesting. When he begins his ministry, we go, you know he goes up into the upper regions to begin his ministry, correct? Uh-huh. Up why? The, which is pro- well, this pro- is prophetized. One, this is why I really want to share with uh, with a lot of Christian listeners. Zebulun, and uh, he had to, right? Was it pr- predicted that he would? No, the see, center of it, well, the when Messiah's the Christ, ministry. When the Christian be, readers read this, they say, "Well, he goes up in that area and actually mentions Naphtali and uh-huh. Zebulun." Well, and they read that over, like, "Okay, that's just where he went." No, that 
it must be interpreted as a prophecy. Actually, I'm going to tell you something. It's understood that the Messiah must begin his redemption, his teaching in the area of Naphtali and Zubalin. It's not just something you're passing over to the a knowledgeable Jewish reader or even Christian reader, you're understanding that what it's saying is he's fulfilling that required prophecy. And you'll find it right here in chapter 4 of Judges. I'm looking. I've got it. Okay. And if you look down at, uh, uh, say, oh, let's say verse 10. This should probably be one of our questions, don't uh, you think? Well, it's, it's so unfamiliar because people read it as he just happened to be in that location or territory. Uh-huh. They don't understand that it's always been that required reading that he must go there to begin his uh, his ministry. Well, there is actually a passage well, that let's, said, let's read says it. that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It says, it says, verse 10, Barak mustered Zebulun and Naphtali at Kadesh. Now, this, and it goes on like that, and if you go back and you look through the book of Judges in different places, you'll find that those two tribes were the first two that were always sent into the battle first. And so it was always been understanding that there was a Jewish understanding of the Messiah, that he must go that way. So when people tend to read that in the New Testament Gospels, they think, well, just where he went or his location. The importance of that to a knowledgeable Christian reader or Jewish reader, is that that's an actual prophecy. I hear prophecy talked about all the time among, you know, Christian teachers. But that's something they never talk about. But that's a Jewish requirement. That he must come out of... He must go there. That's where he begins his recruitment. And, and of course, Jesus' ministry was headquartered, not down in Jerusalem, down down in the tribes of Benjamin and and, uh, 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 Judah, but up in... um, Naphtali and yeah. Zebulun. Now, what's fascinating north, is, yeah. so when we read that, I know that a lot of times, you know, the the uh, from uh, the Christian reader, even Jewish reader, if they read it, will go back and say, well, that's the location, that's where he went. So what? Well, see, to a person that knows, see, there's a lot of little requirements, prophecies that the Messiah must do that's generally not talked about among Christian readers. This is one of them. This mm-hmm. is the place right. he must begin. Well, and there are other passages, too, that talk about this more explicitly. Uh, I think it's mentioned in the New Testament at one point that he had his ministry there, and he says, thus fulfilling the, the prophecy that... Excellent. It says fulfilling the prophecy. It actually says that because uh, I can tell you this. A had, great light shining down. Had he down gone it, yeah. down to like Benjamin or Jerusalem, so they said, the, Jew, the Jews would say, well, he's certainly not the Messiah because right. he didn't do it. Uh-huh. Everybody knows the story about coming from Bethlehem and Nazareth yes. and all that. But this also is an important requirement. Exactly. Wow. Very, very interesting. Well, folks, we're looking at the book of Judges tonight. Let's go through Jacob in the minutes we have left and make sure that all of our questions are at least are answered. Maybe somebody's listening and wanted to know, maybe our questions were a little too hard tonight. What is a messianic psalm? Now, I won't make it Jacob answer that because I'm not sure that Jewish people have anything do you call any particular passages as... Yeah, they'll reference and they'll say, this line refers to the Messiah. It's not, I don't think they use the term messianic term uh-huh, uh-huh. or psalm, but they do say yes. And actually, factually, several other things they'll pick up are many of the same things that the Christian yeah. teachers will say that. Well, good. That, that would be understandable. Well, we were talking about Psalm 45. It is a poem to the king, possibly talking about Solomon. Uh, on the occasion of his wedding. And and so they use the occasion, the picture of the king's wedding. 
And it is thought that this is a messianic psalm and that it tells something. A messianic psalm tells something about the future Messiah's person or about the, the, the work or the role, the ministry, the role of the Messiah that would come. And of course, in that particular picture, uh, uh, the bride is seen to be the church or the, the, the followers of God, those who respond to the Messiah, the bride of the king and the Messiah. And then the followers are pictured as, uh, uh, the, you know, the, the, those who love God and are following, uh, uh, the plan of redemption, responding to God's salvation through the Messiah. Now in Psalm 49, there's this experience which no human being can avoid and after which all earthly accomplishments Wealth, fame, and influence mean nothing, and that experience, of course, is death. It won't matter that you were the president of the United States when you come to the judgment seat of God. It won't matter that you were a radio talk show host when it comes to the judgment seat of God. Uh, it's not going to matter that you were a butcher, that you were a ditch digger. Uh, those things aren't going to be primary. Not that our lives don't matter. Every aspect of our life will be matter, but it will be put up against our understanding and our longing for God in response to God's love and God's offer of redemption and forgiveness and salvation. Uh, and, and as we understand now, through the redemptive plan that he has carried out in in time and space, through uh, through the Messiah, through this Redeemer. So um, there you go. The, the, this Death is that experience that no human being can avoid. It's mentioned in Psalm 49. How old was Joshua? You know oh, the answer to that one? I would guess he was less than Moses. Yeah, 120. Yeah. Uh, Moses was 120, and was Joshua is? 110. 110. Yeah. And now why is that important? Other than the fact we're just telling his age. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, why was that important? I had never thought of that question. Well, why is it important? Well, we read in the Psalms, of course, that general, the age goes down, 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 right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. And uh, then even one of the Psalms says, hey, man, they live to be 70 and with strength 80, I guess. And so we're being told that things are going downhill because the life expectancy was going less. Okay, okay. Well, that makes sense. How many judges are presented in the book of Judges? Of course, there are 12, one woman, 11 men that are mentioned here. Who was the only woman judge? Uh, you've in in the book in, of Judges. In the book of Judges, uh, apart from... Why do I keep forgetting that, that uh, woman's name, uh, Ruth and... Esther. Esther. Why do I keep forgetting her names? I don't know. I don't why. know. Well, Esther, uh, was Esther recognized as a judge of Israel? Well, uh, I was actually, uh, in, when you were responding to the thing about uh, raised for a time such as this, because you said he raises a judge at some time. Uh, I see, I see. That makes sense. When Deborah and, oh, uh, drove a tent peg through the temple of this uh, opposing this general. And finally, what was the name of Samson's wife? And that was Delilah. You remember this song? Ma, ma, Delilah. Delilah. Folks, thanks for joining us for the Bible Live Quiz Show. We'll see you next Sunday night. Right back here. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on the Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show.
Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.